My name is Pastor Harris. I'm the lead pastor if you weren't here earlier today. And uh, I'm just going to preach through it. I know what's going to happen. If I, uh, Josh, if I need to pick up a different mic, let me know and I'll do it. Um, I'm glad you decided to join us this morning for worship. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This morning we start off our new series and it's titled Reset. Winning the war in our mind. Reset. Anybody need a reset? Something? Anybody play some video games every once in a while? Remember the old school video games, right? You don't get unlimited lives. You only get a certain amount. Then all of a sudden that certain amount is over and you got to reset the game. Or you're about to die and you're like, ah, I can't watch it. You reset that button, right? Now it's unlimited lives. You just start over the next checkpoint. Kids don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like. Mario got soft on us, man. He got soft. Church, are some of your thoughts out of control? Do you long to break free from the spiral of destructive thinking? Let God's truth become your battle plan, the battle plan to win the war in your mind. God has something better for your life than your old ways of thinking. I'm going to speak to you. Did you know that God has something better for your life than your old ways of thinking? Did you know that God has something better for your life in the old ways that you used to think? Did you know that God has something better for your life than your old ways of thinking? It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Transformation begins with the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn, right? Changing the way you think, not the way you feel, but the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Hallelujah. Amen. Much better. Praise God. Before we get into God's word, if you have your uh, phone, will you take it out? I know this is contrary to what people think. If you have your phone or you have a tablet or something like that, uh, I want you to get into your Bible app, version, right? If you don't have it, you should get it. It's free. Easy way to read the Bible when you're on the move or you're anywhere you're at because you take your phone with you probably anywhere that you go if you have a smartphone. If you want to open up, uh, we want to get to some sermon notes if you open up your U version, you're going to go to the section that says more. Mine was at the bottom right-hand corner of my um, app. It says more. There's three lines right there. You're going to click on that. You click on more. And then as you do that, you're going to go to events. Events is um, about, I don't know, a few down on that button there. As soon as you hit events, you're going to see our church's name on there. Okay? And they're going to click on that. And boom, you got the notes for today. We're going to try something new in 2024, at least this month. Uh, thank you, Miss Sarah, for writing all these notes up and getting these done. And then Pastor Mark for putting them on the Bible app. Okay, so you go to Bible app, you version, click on the more button. It's, mine was at the bottom right. Yours is somewhere. You click on events, which is just a couple down, maybe two down, maybe five down, six down, depends on your setup. You click on that, and you're going to see our church name, and boom. If you want more notes, either for now or for later, or something to refer back to, there's a whole bunch of notes from today's sermon. Amen? If you have it, say amen. 
Amen. Anybody else who doesn't have it, say amen. Okay, you'll get there. I'm going to keep preaching anyway. Man, wasn't that a funny video? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You know why it's funny? Because some of that is true. We all have some crazy things we think about. Destructive, negative, and crippling things. Does anyone else have ongoing wars in their mind at times? Be truthful. This is the house of God. You should always be truthful. Your yes be your yes, your no be your no. Okay, I want to give you a little inside uh, scoop in my brain. I, it's a scary place. So it's just going to be for a moment, okay? Because you won't return the same if you enter in here. It's crazy. Amen. It's like Lord of the Rings meets Willy Wonka meets Jurassic Park meets something else insane. I don't know. Uh, yeah, my wife's laughing because she knows. She's like, why did you even think of that? I don't know. Um, but here's how a Sunday morning goes when I'm getting ready to preach. I usually have a mind war going on. Here we go. Okay, Harris, it's about game time. Here we go again. Another sermon. Don't mess it up. Follow squirrels, but not too many. If you do that, all the people are going to remember are the squirrels. God has called me, and the people today are excited, and they're expecting a word from God. But am I ready? Did I write enough? Did I study enough? Did I pray enough? Am I going to say something dumb or unnecessarily offensive? Okay, stop it. Get focused. Man, look how wonderful these people are today. They're really worshiping or talking in the front row. I don't know. This is so much better than two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, they seemed like a hot mess in the house of God. But look, she's fighting a broken relationship. And he's defeated. He's feeling defeated because of a family issue. That couple over there is worshiping and they have some serious financial issues. Lord, I need you today. Help them, God. They need you. Okay, what was I supposed to think about again? That's right. It's almost preaching time. It's almost here. Man, you'd think after almost eight years of lead ministry, I'd be more confident. I'd be more cool and poised. But I'm nervous again. Insecure on some things even. But I know God's word is powerful. So why do I feel so weak? and ill-equipped. Why do people have to be so hard and so mean at times? Why are people so judgmental? Don't they understand we're all battling things? Why do I get so prideful and think stupid thoughts? No matter how much I work, no matter how hard I've tried, I just never feel like I have what it takes to perfectly do what God wants me to do. Okay, PH, it's almost game time. God has called you. Give them heaven. Don't suck it up. You got this. Okay, it's going to be amazing. God is with me. The people are pulling on heaven this morning. Lord, here I go. I'm walking up. Use me for your glory. And then here I am. That's just a glimpse of what goes on in my mind on Sunday mornings. Now, I'm curious. Anyone else in God's house this morning have mind wars like I do? You ain't raising your hand. You a liar. <laughs> The altar is open. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So I've been, I've, been, uh, I've been praying and preparing and reading, right? And some of you know me personally. You know how much I love to read. Not much at all, right? He just laughed. That's the guy that gives me books. And he says, have you read them? 
uh, Pastor, you got to read more. I know. I get it. Readers are leaders. I get it. So I'm going to follow you in reading. Hallelujah. But I've been thinking and praying this week, and I was thinking about Pentecostals. We have a very specific challenge we need to overcome. We have a tendency to think God is only really moving and really doing amazing things when we can feel him or when we have an emotional experience with him. We often think church is incredible when people are touched and emotions are flowing and we personally feel the presence of God. But on the flip side, this is what we can think. Well, I didn't feel much today, so I don't think I received much today. But is that true? Can you imagine if we treated our spouses, our family members, and our close friends like we sometimes treat God? See, the world teaches us to follow our feelings. You do you mentality. You just, you do you. Follow your heart. Do whatever's best for you. If that person isn't giving you all the things that you want, all the things that you deserve, you find somebody else. And I love this. I just fell out of love. Love is a choice. You don't fall in and out of love. That is a worldly thing. Get off of Hallmark. Get off of, of, of Hollywood for a moment and get into the word of God. You don't fall out of love. Love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross, but he chose to go anyway. Okay? You don't fall out of love. You chose to stop fighting for love. Just tell the truth. See, this world we live in, it's all about feelings. We as Pentecostals, we do that to God at times. We make our relationship with him all about our feelings. Church, isn't there more to God in our life than just our feelings? See, Romans 12, 2 tells us this. Don't cough be the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you feel. No, no, no. That's not what it says. It says, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. See, once he changes the way you think, it tells us what will happen next. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. See, feelings can't be what you base your relationships on. If they are, your relationships will always end up failing. Anybody been there before? It's all about the feeling. You weren't in love, you were in lust. And it fell apart when that ended. Feelings, they come and go, and they often muddy our judgment. God is not only in your feelings, because God is in your feelings. You're a body, spirit, and a soul. You have a mind, and you have feelings. You have a soul. You have, God has created you that way, but feelings, they come and go, and they will often muddy our judgment, but, but God is not only in your feelings. God is also in your thoughts. The Bible says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Church, your thought life matters to God just as much as your feelings matter to God.
Amen, Pentecostals? Trust me, I'm the guy up there dancing. I'm the guy that's getting in and prophesying and speaking and calling things out and, and breaking things off and dancing and, and worshiping. I feel God, and I love that about our church. If I can't move and it's dead in here, I, it's hard. It's just really, really hard. I love that, but God is not just in my feelings. Because you know what? I'm going to be real with you. I don't always feel God. But that doesn't mean God has left me. Your thought life matters to God just as much as your feelings matter to God. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Here's what I've discovered. Our mind is a battlefield. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, that's right. That's for real. The more I've studied Scripture... And the more I've looked at what neuroscience says, most of life's battles are won or they're lost in our minds. So I played basketball fourth grade through college. I love basketball, okay? And one thing I've learned, see, I think sports are important. They teach you more than just athletics. They teach you uh, responsibility. They teach you teamwork. They teach you submission. They teach you authority. They teach you a whole bunch of things. But one thing I also uh, remember, oftentimes whatever you do in life, very much sports, it's a mind game before it's a physical game. If you go into that game saying, I'm going to lose, we're going to get smoked, this is going to be terrible, guess what's going to happen? Even if the enemy looks massive, even if Goliath is in front of you, if you don't go with a David mindset, you're going to get tore up. It is no different than your life. It is no different with your thoughts. I want to give you some good news this morning. Amen? You want some good news? Okay, if you don't, that's the, the church down the street. Hallelujah. They give you a man's news, not the good news. Okay, the good news is God's word is truth. It is powerful. God's word transforms. It transforms our life and it renews our minds. So I want us to let God make us into a new person starting today. Because here's the good news. He can. Now the Bible's full of all kinds of incredible wisdom. The best wisdom. It's called Godly wisdom. Right? Seems so silly, but so important. Over the next few weeks, we're going to try to get into the mind and the heart of one of the wisest followers of Christ. His name is the Apostle Paul. See, it's interesting to look at the Apostle Paul's life through the pages of the Bible. When we look at his life, you'll notice early on we see him become a follower of Jesus. Like we all started there, right? You're full of zeal and you ain't got much wisdom. You're yelling and you're screaming and you're wondering why. <laughs> you're excited to go share the gospel, but you don't know what to say. You want to believe in God, but you don't know where to start. You don't know where to stand, but you know that you got to run and you look like a fool. But one thing is good is you have zeal unlike the ones that only have wisdom and no zeal, right? They just sit and soak and do nothing. But Paul, we see in the beginning, early on, he becomes a follower of Jesus. And then as you keep reading the pages of the word of God, we don't only get better wisdom from him, we see and we watch as Jesus renews his mind over time. 
In our Reset series, we're going to watch Paul progress throughout his life and throughout his ministry as he learns to wage war in the lies that attack his mind. And we're going to see him capture wrong thoughts and replace them. See, it's one thing to capture a thought. It's another thing to replace it after you've captured it. Okay, He captures the wrong thoughts and he replaces them with truth so he can win the war that is in his mind. Here's one thing the Apostle Paul says. It's found in 2 Corinthians 10. I believe it's in your notes. Uh, And or you can still take notes with your hand. It's just another opportunity for you to dig into more of God's word now and later. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, this one's out of the NIV that I chose. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now think about this. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? And we take it captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That doesn't mean you go around to every bush and every place and you cast out demons everywhere that you go. See, we have have twisted this scripture in a lot of ways to fulfill what we want in in whatever we're, we're talking about and whatever we're feeling at the moment. See, all that was said, it's wrapped up at the end, and it says, we t- how do we do all that? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You know, the devil can't attack you if, or, or, the devil will keep attacking you if you keep thinking about him and keep believing his lies. But he can't attack you if you stop and you cut him off and you renew your mind and you take captive the lies of the enemy. He can't do anything anymore. What about my life? What about my family? Listen, Jesus has overcome all that. Greater he that's in you than anything that's in the world. But oftentimes, Jesus is inside my heart, but he's not in my mind. Come on now. That's from the Holy Ghost. I got Jesus in my heart, deep, deep down. Hallelujah. But he ain't nowhere in my thoughts. I love Jesus, but I love thinking about the world. I love thinking about my fear. I love thinking about all the bad things that have happened to me, all the other things that are going on. I love thinking about those things, but Jesus has got my heart. Man, you've settled. So the Greek word that in the scripture that we just, we, I just read to you, uh, that Greek word for power, does anybody know what that Greek word is? Say it. Dunamis, exactly right, dunamis. That is dunamis power. It means an explosive and miraculous power of God. See, we get our word dynamite from this power, from this word. So let me read portion of this and, and plug in. So you got to get into the Greek and Hebrew every once in a while. Find a word, find what it means, plug it into the scripture that you just read. Why? Because English is kind of weak. We have one word for love, and it is, is, is messy, right? I, lo- I love hot pockets. I love my wife, and I love my church, and I love my shoes, right? Those are all different kinds of loves, okay? Uh, but the weapons that we fight with, it says this. They have the divine, explosive, and miraculous dunamis power to demolish strongholds. Hallelujah. Church, what's a stronghold? 
Here's a stronghold. See, this word stronghold comes from the Greek word ochurama. Ochurama. Sounds like a Mexican restaurant, but it's not. Well, you want to go after church? Ochurama? Okay, cool. They got the best salsa. Ochurama. Okay. I'm probably saying that wrong, but guess what? I got the mic, so whatever. That's how I broke it down. So this word stronghold that we found in that scripture we just read, the Greek word there is ochurama, and it means a military stronghold. It's a fortress that keeps things in, and it keeps things protected. It's a fortress that we would often be surrounded by a wall that was 20 feet deep. That's a big wall. That's a thick wall. See, the devil, our spiritual enemy, he wants to attack your mind and he wants to create strongholds of deception in your mind. He wants you to believe something that is untrue and you take away what, what God's healing is for your life. He wants to take that away. He wants you to believe in lies and things that are untrue so you don't know God's calling that is for your life. The devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you're a prisoner of deception. Sometimes a prisoner with a spiritual wall 20 feet deep. He has built a stronghold in your mind and you have let him. So what are some of the devil's lies that we start to believe? Not only believe, but own. Let me read some of these. You're not good enough. You can't be forgiven. You can't trust people. You'll never succeed. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to have a good marriage. God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. You're never going to make a difference. They don't really love you. They will hurt you, and just like everyone else has. And you're never going to be different, and so on and so forth. So how do we battle in our mind? How do we get rid of that junk? How do we battle the devil? Well, Scripture tells us we demolish every argument and pretension or every proud obstacle that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I guess number one, you got to know the knowledge of God. How can you fight a lie if you never know the truth? You hear it in church all the time. Read your word, read your word, read your word, and then you don't read your word, and then your life's a mess, and you come to church, and now all of a sudden you need God again. <laughs> you could have had God at home because his word, right? You go to Barnes & Noble, even, even sinful Barnes & Noble. Woke, woke as you can get, right? I mean, just even they have Bibles there that you can buy. I like Barnes & Noble. That's cool. You can like Barnes & Noble. I'm just telling you the truth. See what they support. Anyway, but even you can get the Word of God there. You can get in God's Word, and you don't have to live like you've been living. You don't have to think like you're thinking any longer, but you can't battle a lie if you don't know the truth. It's impossible. Read your Word. If you don't know where to read, call the church office. We'll be glad to help you. We just gave out, you know, those little things, these little things, right? You got 30 of these. You can read 30 of these a day. Everyone's laughing who was on time today. Hallelujah. 
The Bible says we demolish arguments and every pretension, every proud obstacle that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And how do we do that? Well, we do it with God's help, and this is how we do it. We take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ, right? So next time you think something, you think, is that what God said? Is that what God told me to believe? Is that what's in the Word of God? Is what I just thought, what I just did, or what I just said, or what somebody just said to me, is that of God? Is that of Jesus? Do I take that thought captive? Sometimes you take it captive and you throw it in the trash. Other times you take it captive and you speak truth to it and you kill it and you demolish it. But we have to be obedient to Christ. Remember this, Jesus is the living word. God's word in flesh. If Jesus said it, it's God. If the word of God has it, it's God. Church, take captive every thought and make it obedient to the word of God. See, the sword of God's word, this is the sword. This is the sword. You can, and, and a lot of people love Ephesians chapter 6, right? And you, and you love all those things that you can put on. Everything is defensive. Why? Because you are going to be attacked. The enemy is prowling around looking for who he can devour. He wants to destroy your life. If he can't get you bad, he wants to get you busy. Whatever he wants to do, he doesn't want you to do anything in life. That is important to the kingdom of God. But you have one thing to fight back that is an offensive weapon. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the word of God. This is how did Jesus defeat the enemy in the wilderness? He didn't punch him in the throat. He didn't yell and scream at him and throw holy water like we do sometimes, right? I gotta cast out the devil. We do crazy stuff, right? That's not even in the word. It's crazy what we do. I don't know why I'm on that. Somebody needs to hear that today, right? You even got to change the way that you think you're attacking the enemy. Jesus just like sat down and said, oh yeah, that's cool. You can give me all these things. But the word of God says, oh, I'm not going to jump off that and see if angels catch me. You're foolish. The word of God says, he demolished the proud obstacle and the arguments that was against God's knowledge. And he took captive that thought and the devil could literally do nothing to Jesus. The sword, God's word, is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it cuts away the lies of the enemy. Amen? I've titled today's message, Winning the Mind War. Winning the Mind War. I'm reading a book from Reverend Craig Grishel, and it's called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's a powerful book, and it's uh, about renewing your mind by the power of God's word. What I love about Craig Rochelle, he's kind of like me. He gives it to you plain. He just lays it out, gives it to you plain, and it's so powerful. Because a lot of times people get up and they use, you know, fluffy words and all this stuff, and they make the, and you, you walk away going, what did you just tell me? I don't even understand. What's the point of talking if the person walks away and they don't understand? I love that about Craig Rochelle. He just gives it to you plain, Jane, boom, in your face, lays it out, and I can, man after my own heart, I get it, right? There's no time to sit around and, and, and do silly stuff. We got to go into the world, so tell me the truth. I want to accept the truth. I want to live the truth, and then I want to go in the truth. This is what he says. He says, quote, in his book, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we tend to think comes 
out in our life, and both science and scripture agrees, end quote. See, research shows that cognitive behavior psychology, a lot of problems people have are actually related to the wrong thoughts that they process in their brain. Some relational challenges, some eating disorders, addictions, and some forms of anxiety are actually a direct result of toxic thinking. See, that's what science says. But we know God's word is the ultimate truth. So what does the God's word, what does the truth say about this? It says in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Church, the life we have so often is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. What we think determines who we become. In other words, if you tend to think, I can't do something, I'll never do it, I can't ever do it, right? You know, if we have kids, <laughs> anybody, or a whiny neighbor, anybody, okay? <laughs> I can't do it, I just, I'm never going to get it, and they fall back, and you're like, oh my goodness. I'm never going to be able to do it. Guess what? If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think you can, by the grace of God, you probably will. If you always feel like you're a victim, everyone's always after me. Everything terrible always happens to me. No one loves me. This, I mean, just the victim mentality you have believed, the victim mindset that you have walked through. If you are always feeling like a victim, you start owning it, and you start wearing the wrong label. We are not victims. We are victors in Christ Jesus. So think that way. You don't live that way because you don't think that way. Jesus is in my heart, but is he in your head? Man, that's from the Holy... I have wrote that nowhere. That is so good. It's so simple. I got Jesus in my heart, but is he in your head? If you believe that you can overcome by the power of Christ within you, guess what? You can overcome. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. If you want to change your behavior, if you want to change your life, you must reprogram your brain. Church, train your brain. Every thought that you think creates a neurochemical change in your body. So your negative thoughts are literally changing the chemical makeup of your brain. When you think a positive thought, you get a surge of rewarding neurotransmitters releasing a very legal, powerful, and wonderful drug called... Nope. Dopamine. Way to be positive and you, know, you just own that, but nope. Uh, dopamine. And every time your brain drops some dopamine, you get a fulfilling buzz. The more often you think a thought, church, science tells us it's easier to think that thought again. Once you think a thought, you're creating neural pathways in your brain, right? It's, it's, like, it's like you're in the woods, okay? And there's no, there's no path. 
I, I got to get over there. I can't go this way. I can't go that way. I think I'm just going to walk through, right? The brush is tall. Maybe you have a machete. Maybe you have something else, or maybe you're just going to walk. As you walk through that path, it gets easier and easier and easier to get to that spot. That's the same way with your brain when you think. Okay, I'm faced with a challenge. I want to go over there. I want to think that thought. Well, how did you create that path? And the more that you do it, the easier it is. And you know what? It's hard to change the way we think. Why? Because that field is still there, and there's only one path because that's all we've ever made. Church, it's time to make a new path. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. Sharpen your machete. Ooh, come on. Sharpen your word. That's good. That's good. Hallelujah. I don't know where I'm at now. Praise God. Oh, here I am. Everyone has billions of neural pathways in their brain. The more often we think that thought, the more the connection is there, and it's easier to think that thought again. Before long, whether we have been thinking about it or not, before long it has now become, right, you just keep thinking it and thinking it, and think, it is now your default thought. This kind of thing happens, boom, my head is there. This kind of thing happened to me, or they said that, boom, I am there. It's your default thought. And you know what? A default thought is a stronghold thought. Good or bad. So if you believe it long enough, if you think it long enough, it becomes truth to you. If you believe a lie long enough, welcome to your stronghold. Today, let's break some lies and replace them with God's truth. Amen? Let's renew our minds and become a new person, shall we? If you're with me, say amen. amen. I want to encourage you to hopefully, and hopefully help you for a moment. We're going to do an exercise together right now, okay? And it's going to help us finish the rest of this sermon. Right? I only have 12 more pages. What was your thought? What was your thought right there? Ah, I tricked you. That felt good. Okay. Yeah. I got bad news. Uh, Pizza Ranch and uh, Texas Roadhouse are both closed down. Now what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Not only is my mind hurting, but my heart is broken, Pastor. Skip a meal. Pray to God. Trust me. You win-win everywhere. Hallelujah. Preaching. I'm preaching myself. Hallelujah. Not only is my prayer life ready for a fast, so is my belt. Hallelujah. Moving on. See, squirrel, but don't take it too far. You're only going to remember the squirrel. I don't want that. It's a fat squirrel. It's a fat squirrel. <laughs> okay, you ready for this? We're going to do an exercise together. Okay. I want to encourage you and hopefully help you for a moment. Here's the exercise. Okay, I want you to take a few moments. Whatever you're doing, stop. Okay, here's your exercise. I want you right now to think about what you think about. Let's take a few moments, and I want you to allow yourself to go through your mind and take a quick thought audit. Think about what you think about. 
Okay, not just what you think about, but also how you think about things. Okay, let's take a couple moments right now and think about what you think about. What's on your mind? What do you think about? Keep thinking. Man, what do I think about? Think about what you think about. Has that been a while? I know when I was reading about it and wrote it down. It's been a while since I thought about what I think about. Okay, so what did you come to realize about your thought life? Did you realize that you are characterized by worries, thoughts of panic, anxiety, and fear? Would you say that your thoughts are typically characterized by that, or are they characterized by being full of peace? Do you tend to wake up in the morning and your mind drifts toward fear? You tend to think about the many things that could go wrong, all the hard things that you have to face. Do you think about what you can worry about? Or when hard things come to your life, because all of us have that, it's inevitable, do you find yourself casting your cares upon God and recognizing that there is peace that goes beyond your understanding? Do you sense his presence and his goodness and the spirit within you even when things aren't going the way that you hoped that they would go? Are your thoughts more characterized by worry or by peace? Here's another question that I want to ask about the thought audit. That was a very quick time. I want you to take time later and give yourself some more time to have a thought audit. What do I think about? Do your thoughts drift toward the negative or do they drift toward the positive? Do you find yourself or others find you, right? Sometimes you can't get it in your head knowing what you think, but trust me, other people know what you think because it comes out of your mouth. So do you often find yourself or others find you negative and critical of people or negative and critical about situations? Hmm. It doesn't take long. Just get on Facebook, get on Twitter, X, whatever it's called, you know, get on something. Uh, you know, those keyboard warriors? Yeah, I'm so bold. But then you meet them in face-to-face, and they're like, uh, and you're like, come on. Come on. Do you usually assume the worst instead of believing the best? Come on, I'm going to say that again. Do you usually assume the worst? Or are you a person that assumes the best? Do you have doubt or faith. I wrote this this morning because this is for somebody. Come on, pastor, I'm a realist. Right? I've heard that I don't know how many times. I probably even said it. I'm a realist. And I have a challenge for that. (laughs) 
Because you just give yourself permission to be negative. Let's just be honest. Because was Jesus a realist? Because oftentimes I hear people say, I'm a realist, pastor. And the things that come out of your mouth, I have not read in God's word before. That is not the same attitude that I get. You've just given yourself permission to be a negative person. You're not a realist. You're a pessimist. You can speak truth, right? Speak to what's actually happened. Don't, don't be ignorant and pretend everything's great and, and float on clouds and slide down rainbows, okay? Right? right? Ride unicorns to work, okay? Reality is the world has a bunch of things that are not so good. But guess what? You also need to speak truth of what God's word is. If you just talk about realist things and you never follow it up with God's truth... You're not a positive person. You're a negative person. God is, he needs to get in your mind. Here, here's the best example I can give. King David is one of my favorites, okay? When I get to heaven, I can't wait to dance with that guy and get in our, in our boxer briefs, man, and just go to town, right? I can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. I, th I think there was the squirrel. I've lost everyone. Right, we get a new body in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm done. Amen. Now, but let me bring it back. See, here's what King David does in the book of Psalms over and over again. My enemies are surrounding me. I have, everything is falling apart. They are coming after me. The world is terrible. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I've sinned. I've sinned to you. I, I, I fall on my knees and, and I, God, just take my life. I, everything's coming, coming against me. But then, but you are my strength. You are my fortress. You are the king of kings. You're the one that can get me through this. God, even if my enemies come around me, you still are going to rescue me, right? That's the kind of mind you can have. That's a realist. Here's terrible things, but here's what God will do. I'm speaking that, right? Okay? Okay. Hallelujah. That's for somebody. I wrote it down this morning because somebody needed to hear that today. Quit saying you're a realist if you never speak the real truth of God in anything that you're saying. You're not a realist. You're a pessimist. And people don't like you. you're always negative. It's true. I'm just setting you free today. But you don't got to be that person anymore. People don't want, why don't I have any friends? Why don't anybody want to talk to me? Because you are a drag to talk to. I'm just going there. You are. It's hard to talk to you because all you do is talk about terrible things. How about you talk about something positive? Speak life into my life, right? Quit always being negative all the time. You're driving everybody crazy. Nobody wants to tell you because they're like, God, I need an opening here. Give me an opening to speak truth. I just did it for you. You're welcome. It's for you online too. You know who I'm talking to. You know. Hallelujah. Moving on. Honestly, we're all there at some point. Here's the last question I want to ask you before I start wrapping up with your thought audit, what you think about. Think about what you think about. Here's the last question. When it comes to what you think about, are your thoughts more worldly or sinful? Are they toward the things that are temporary? Or do your thoughts drift toward the things that last forever, that are eternal? Here's some things. Are your thoughts focused on concern about what you have? How much money you make? What you wear? 
What you look like. Now, I'm not saying you don't brush your teeth. Trust me. That's a temple. You better clean it up. Hallelujah. Your neighbor will thank you next week. Praise God. Right? Just randomly give a soap bar to your neighbor. Hallelujah. It's a gift from the Lord, brother. Um, Do you care about who likes you and who doesn't? How many followers you have? Do you really, really put the approval of others on a pedestal? Or do your thoughts drift toward more eternal things? Do you think about what God has given you? Do you think about the life that God is calling you to steward? Are you using your spiritual gifts? You think about what you can invest and you give back and make a difference in the lives of the people around you. Do your thoughts think about building God's kingdom or about building your own? It's good to take a thought audit. You should try it in your prayer closet. You should try this thought audit during your fast. Sometimes, so many times, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. What comes out of your mind comes out of your life. The Bible says the eyes are the gateway to your soul. So once those thoughts go in, those things that you see, the things that you think about, how do you steward those thoughts? Guys, when you see a pretty girl walk by, the first look is not the sin. The second look is the sin. The, the thing, even women, same thing. When you look at something and, and you start coveting it, or you, you see something and you start mowing it around in your brain, that's the moment you sin. See, the devil's going to come and he's going to plug things at you. It's what you do next that is either the sin or you've captured your thought. Okay? Just because you thought at one time does not make it a sin. It's when you dwell on it. It's when it consumes you. It's when you look again and you think again. Okay? Church, you're the only one responsible for your thought life. The only person responsible for your thought life is you. I can't think for you. Sometimes I wish I could. I'm just playing, kind of. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. Okay. That didn't go over as I thought it would. It's true. And I'm sure, hey, pastor, sometimes I wish I could think for you too. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. You alone are responsible for the outcome of the war that goes on in your mind. Church, you have to deconstruct to reconstruct. I want you to write down these verses. I'm not going to read them right now, but Colossians 3, verses 1 through 10. Colossians 3, 1 through 10. Colossians 3, chapter 3, little number 1 through little number 10. I want you to read that this week. You have to deconstruct to reconstruct. Think about heavenly things. Cut off and stop thinking about worldly and sinful things. If you want your life to change, then you have to change your thoughts. Here's something very simple. Here's what you got to do. Admit the struggle. Admit the struggle. That's number one. Admit the struggle. Number two is identify the lie. And number three, replace it with the truth. And then I wrote, rinse and repeat. (laughs) Admit the struggle, identify the lie, replace it with the truth.
rinse and repeat. I love that I wrote rinse and repeat because I, th- I thought about, you remember in God's word where it says, wash your mind with God's word? Whoo! Come on. Rinse and repeat. Identify. I'm sorry. Admit, identify, replace. Your thoughts are directing your life and either God or the devil is in the driver's seat. But you're the only one that has the keys. You're the only one that gives permission to tell who can drive your thought life. Did you hear me? Your thoughts are directing your life and either God or the devil's in the driver's seat. But you're the only one that has the keys to tell that person where they can drive in your thought life. Capture the thought, say a prayer, identify the lie, replace it with the truth so you can create a new cycle, a new way to think, a new way to live. Then something different in your brain will happen because you have renewed your mind. Brent and Nikki, will you please come up? Church, you're always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So admit the struggle. Identify the lie, then replace it with the truth. I'm going to say this. You are not a victim of your own mind. You have believed the lies of this world that you're a victim of your own mind. I can't get it straight. I can't get it right. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to be broken. I'm always going to have this. I'm always going to have that thought. That's a lie of the enemy. I'm sick of it. I know that you will have a big battle. There is no question in that. But it will never get better if you don't think it can get better. It'll never be better. Ever. I don't care how many prayer things you go to. Jesus is in your heart, but he's got to get in your mind. Amen? That was a little righteous anger because I'm going to cut off the lies of the enemy with God's truth. 2024, the year that God is going to do more. Here's a personal spiritual priority I believe you and me should have this year. Here it is. We should all have this priority, this spiritual priority in our life. It's this. We should invite God to renew our mind with his truth. Everything will change if you do that. Invite God to renew your mind with his truth. Don't think the same way you thought in 2023. Okay? Here's today's challenge. We're going to have some prayer teams here in a moment, and here's your challenge. Okay? You ready? We're going to close with this challenge. Anybody ready? Ready? Okay. People over here are ready. Nobody's ready over here. You watch them get ready. Amen. You ready? Ready. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm ready. I'm hot. It's, I'm sweating. I'm ready. I want you to identify the biggest stronghold that is in your mind right now. Right now. I know some of y'all wrapping up, putting things in your purses, putting things in other people's purses. It's weird. Okay. Pick up your own trash. Okay. I want you right now to identify the biggest stronghold that is in your mind. The biggest lie. When you did your thought audit, you know it. It was like that. Wow. What is the biggest lie that is holding you back and locking you up? Okay, just one. I want the big one. Think about it right now. Think about it. Identify that stronghold. Now I want you to name it. What is it? Say it out loud. What is it? Say it. Fear. I heard that. Myself. Pride. Anger. What is it? Trust. What is that lie? 
What is that lie? Name it. Say it right now. You got to name it. I love that Pastor Craig Rochelle says this. You have to name it because you cannot defeat what you do not define. If you don't say it out loud and you don't define it right now, you can't defeat it. You'd be like hunting for the enemy in the dark. Flip the light on, church. Find him and defeat him. So what is it? Name it right now. Name it. What's the biggest thing that you cannot defeat? Right? What is the biggest thing that right now, the stronghold that is in your mind, what is it? See, it says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's what we do. We take that thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. We take that captive. Right now we've named it. We, we're not going to claim it anymore. We're going to name it, right? We're going to name it right now. We're going to take that thought captive and this is secondly what you're going to do and this is how you're going to take that thing th- captive. Somebody say uh, what, what it is, what you named. I heard it. Unworthy. Who said that? Unworthy. Miss Tina. Okay, already got one. Thank you. But that's good. And you even said it with like a little bit of anger. That's good. Amen. I'm going to stick with this one. Anger, I got that. I get that. I have scars to remind me who I once was and what God has done because of my anger. Punching things. Couldn't control it. Rage. God has not given me that. Okay. What was it again? Unworthy. Right now, you've named unworthy. And whatever you've named, here's the thing you're going to do now. You're going to name the truth. Tina, you are not unworthy. You're the apple of his eye. You are precious. And he says, even if you're the last person or the only person, Jesus would have died for you. Not only does he love you, he sent his son to die for you. You are worthy. You are worthy enough for the greatest sacrifice ever given. You're worthy enough for the greatest present that has ever been given. It's, it's Emmanuel, his son. Not only are you worthy, you're not only worthy of his love, you're worthy of other people's love. You're worthy of, of a life that God has died for. You're worthy of freedom. You're worthy Worthy of love and compassion. You are worthy. We're going to name it. I feel unworthy, but you know what? In God, I am worthy. I'm worthy of it all. Not because of me, but because of what he has done. Name the stronghold. Now we're going to name the truth. Jesus said in 832, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said, you will know the truth. And what does the truth do, church? Sets you free. You ready to be free? Stand to your feet, please. Prayer teams, uh, come to the front sections over here and in the back. We're going to close right now in just a moment. See, church, it's time. There's something better for your life, a better way of thinking. It's time to change your mind so God can change your life. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Don't copy the world. Don't fall into the feelings. Don't fall into those things only. But let God transform you by making you into a new person. How does he do it? By changing the way you think. It starts today. It starts today. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So right now, these prayer teams, they what they want you to do and what they've prepared for is you're going to walk up, you're going to tell them the name that you have, that stronghold name that you have. They're going to help you demolish it in prayer. It says that we pray for one another and we let God and we see what God does and he heals us. So you're going to name it and then they're going to speak the truth to it and then they're going to pray for you. 
So I'm going to close here in prayer. And then I want you just to find somewhere. There's some in the back, some in the front. Find your neighbor if you need to. But do not let this opportunity go because of whatever reason that you have. You have to think different. Don't just let Jesus in your heart. Get him in your head. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you. Worthy is the king. God, I thank you that you love us enough. It says in John 10, 10, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus, you came to give us life and life to the fullest, a sozo life. That is body, spirit, mind, and soul. That's a complete thing. And so right now, we lift up our mind to you. We take back the things that we've been captive. We take back the lies of the enemy. We speak truth to them. Cut them off right now in the name of Jesus. We love you. We thank you. God, don't only be in our heart, be in our mind. I know you're speaking to us. Help us take captive every every thought. Build a new uh, path to where we want to go. New transmitters in our minds, neurotransmitters that are going to take place in our mind. Let's cut off the old and do something new. And I'm reminded in your word in the Old Testament, it says, do you not see it? It has already begun. He's making new, new paths in the wilderness. New rivers in a dry wasteland. He's doing it now in your life. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.